I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Andy J Podcast. Hello there, welcome to the latest episode of the Andy J Podcast. We have three really, really cool guests for you. So after last week's James May solo effort, we have a hat-trick of heroes for you this week. Thank you, incidentally, to those of you that have reached out about the James May uh, show. Seems to have landed really nicely. Some really, really kind and interesting uh, feedback and comments from people across social media, etc. It really is appreciated, especially when you're being nice. So thank you very much for that. Let me tell you about the guests we have got on the show today, though, because we've got some some really big hitters, really cool people. We have 2012 Olympic hero, the long jump legend himself, Mr. Greg Rutherford, who's just great fun and lots of lots of good chat with him. I really enjoyed Greg's company. Actually, really nice guy. Lucifer, the main man, Mr. Tom Ellis. Wow. I mean, he has become such a huge actor, Tom Ellis. He is just, I mean, he's gone from, you know, EastEnders to one of the biggest shows made on the streaming platforms you know one of netflix's biggest biggest hits lucifer is a colossal show and massive in the states as well so it was a real boon to get tom and and actually it was so much fun we had a right old giggle properly had each other in stitches i think and i hope you'll enjoy this chat and then from made in chelsea a young man who's been on the show now for a little while he's established himself on made in chelsea properly now his name's miles nazir and i gotta say i i personally guilty guilty pleasure i do watch made in chelsea Partly because I love London and partly because I just like to think that I'm still young and cool and I've never been cool and I'm definitely not young. But Miles was really good company, very interesting guy, really actually really nice guy, liked him a lot. And there was a moment during the chat which really took us both by surprise actually. And occasionally this happens where you have the person you're interviewing says to you, I've never said this to anyone else but... And you kind of go, oh gosh, I hope, I hope he's going to be cool saying this. And he then told me about some stuff that was deeply personal. And I was absolutely honoured that he felt comfortable enough to share. And I made a point of checking with him after the interview and indeed subsequently that he was comfortable with, with it going out there into the public. And he said, absolutely, Andy, I'm glad I said it. I'm really pleased it's out there now. And I, I definitely want you to put it out there. It felt good being able to release it to the world. So, you know, really lovely bloke. I liked him a lot. I really did. I thought he was champion. So those are your three special guests. Three great guys. Three really good guys. I, I enjoyed them enormously. Miles Nazir, Greg Rutherford and Tom Ellis. This is the Andy J Podcast. Let's jump straight in to the chat. Podcast. Hey there, it's Driven with me, Andy J, here on Talk Radio, the show that talks to celebrities and achievers about what drives them. Three really different, really interesting guys on the show today. 
we'll be talking to Olympic gold medalist, a 2012 hero, Greg Rutherford. He's on the show. Then we are having a little conversation with the devil. Tom Ellis, an actor on the absolute top of his game right now. Of course, he stars in Lucifer as the devil. Big conversation ahead with him. Really looking forward to chatting to Tom, actually. I think he'll have an awful lot to say. And then we round off the show with a bit of reality for you. So three guys from different walks of life. We've got a superstar sportsman, a Hollywood heartthrob, and a man who's beloved for being just basically really nice on Made in Chelsea. Miles Nazir is my third guest of the show. I think we're going to have a lot of interesting things to say throughout the next hour or so. So thank you for lending us your ears. Let's dive in, shall we? This is Driven with me, Andy J. Driven with Andy J on Talk Radio in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Now then, my first guest is a man who has held the affection of the British public in his hands for such a long time. Partly because, well, we just think he's a lovely guy. Partly because of his heroics at the 2012 Olympics, where of course he won gold. Because of him, in fact, there are not one but two gold post boxes in Milton Keynes. And incidentally, he still holds the British record for long jump. And when he retired, he held every available elite outdoor title, national, continental, world, Olympic, Diamond League and Commonwealth. He's, of course, the wonderful Greg Rutherford. Now, Greg, you're a man who has probably, I hope, felt the outpouring of emotion from the British public. And and I'm thinking back to the Olympics as well, of course, where we have watched you and we have willed you to greatness. And it just seems to me that this is something that that must have followed you all the time. And, and I mean, how does that feel? What, what, was your, what was your thinking? You were always destined to be, to be a sportsman, weren't you? Life is fascinating in that way. There's so many different roads that people take and go down or don't go and choose to walk away from. You never know what's going to happen. Now, with me, I was determined to become professional in some form of sport. I, was, I, I just love sports. So I did so many different sports. And bizarrely, running in a straight line and jumping into a sandpit, that was the one <laughs> that led me to... To having a career in sport and I have such vivid memories as a kid of like willing trying to give my energy to the athletes that I was watching or the footballers that were, that were about to go take a penalty or whatever I was willing and, and giving everything I possibly could through good vibes if you like to try and succeed when people have said they've done the same for myself it, it's just that's an amazing and incredibly humbling thing to, to think that people have invested that amount of time in order to try and help me succeed and it means something genuinely to the athletes of course people that are involved knowing that there are people supporting that really is a, is a big deal and and you want to you want to succeed for everybody that is giving some of their emotional time to you so it is a really really fantastic feeling when things go well i bet yeah i mean it's, it's always quite disarming when it, when you realize that a stranger thinks you're quite cool you know, what, what, what <laughs> yeah, it's pretty decent. One of the funniest ones I think I've had, because a, a lot of people do obviously want to talk about the Olympics, which I love because look, it was an amazing time and I had a fantastic time doing it. But one of the, one of the best ones, me and a friend were walking through central London and a man, and I mean, he couldn't be any more businessman than you, you could imagine. I mean, like a, a camel trench coat going down, like a, a hat on, which wasn't quite a bowler hat, but it was a, it was a hat and you could see the suit and everything. He just literally walked past, he didn't stop in and just went, hey, nice gold. And just kept going. <laughs> and again, even at a point like that, you just go, goodness me, like, it's amazing that people remember that night. And, and then it's lovely that they then want to just say something. And I'm very thankful that people have been so incredibly kind to me over the, over the last eight years since that night. Well, there's always been this big thing as well with sportsmen and sportswomen, sports people. You know, when you're 
when it's time to retire, when your body says, okay, do you know what? That's it. We've, we've, we've done our last jump into the sandpit. We've kicked our last goal, whatever it might be. It's then like, what happens next? And there's this great kind of, yeah. you know, there's this great thing with footballers that, you know, people say they go and buy pubs and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. Because it's it's that competitive nature that you have lived and breathed and has been what has defined you for your for the entirety of your life professionally. Suddenly it, it's done. How did you kind of run up to that one? What was the approach for you? I think for me, I knew pretty much after the World Championships in 2017 that I couldn't compete in. I knew things were starting to change in a, in a really negative way in my body again. So I'd said that the early part of my career heavily injured. I then had this patch where I wasn't getting injured as much and I was winning lots of things. And then off of the back of a disappointing Olympic bronze medal in, in Rio, mm -hmm. which I, I traveled to Rio with an injury frustratingly. Um, I wanted to then rectify that by going to the, the London World Championships, retaining my world title and then winning again in that Olympic stadium. And then sadly in the April, I picked up a, basically a catastrophic ankle injury, which we still have no idea how it took place. And that effectively ended my career. I had surgery on it to try and fix it. It didn't work. I attempted to come back in early 2018 to see if, if there was any chance, and it wasn't happening. So really for me, I think probably from sort of the May-June time of 2017, my mind was changing and moving away from just thinking purely about jumping. And, and it was a realization that I was getting a little bit older, there was younger, younger guys out there who were, this is a funny thing, all of a sudden, I mean, I was only 31 when I retired, but you look and, and suddenly the new world number one's 19 or 20 years old, bouncing around like nothing. And there's me running down a runway, desperately trying to jump and then feeling every pain you can imagine. And you just think, like, look, it, it's not, in an athletics term, it's not an old man's game. It's, it's difficult. It's a lot of pressure on the body. Yeah. And I was in a lot of pain for, for a long period of time. So my brain was already checking out. So by about, I think it must have been something like March, April time, 2018, I had made the decision internally that I was retiring that year. I had a chat with my coach, Dan. He concurred and thought that was the right thing to do. So then I released it a couple of months later. So what I also did in the meantime, though, which I think this is the thing that sadly not enough sports people do, is that they don't plan for the future. They don't think that this will end at some point. I need to have uh, another thing to do. So for me broadcasting and being involved in TV in some way something that I was always absolutely fascinated by and, and thoroughly enjoyed. So by the time I then retired, I had already basically got myself in a position where I was going to start working for Eurosport. So for me, that was something that I knew I wanted to do. So I made sure I, I put in the, the, the right things and the right measures in order for that to take place. So I, w I went from one job effectively into another. Sadly, the, the Olympics obviously have now been postponed, so we have to wait until next year to, to get across what I think is going to be an incredible coverage of the Olympic Games. But uh, yeah, I, I, I also worked obviously very hard behind the scenes. I, I did a lot. I tried to improve myself. It's a fascinating thing. And I think you have to realize early on in your career, it doesn't last forever. As much as it's a great thing and you do feel like Peter Pan for a long time, it's not going to last forever. You have to have an exit strategy. And thankfully, I did. Yeah, and, and a really good one. But your competitive spirit hasn't failed you, though, has it? I mean, I'm talking MasterChef here. I'm just going <laughs> to ace it at cooking as well, you know. <laughs> No, I'm a try-hard. This, this is <laughs> the thing. You're a MasterChef no. champion. That's not a try-hard. Well, <laughs> 2019 well, no, celebrity no. champion. Brilliant. Uh, no, no, I love that as well. And and, and this is this has been a really interesting thing. Like, I, I've done lots of different things since retiring. And even while I was an athlete, I was still trying different sort of shows and whatever else. And actually, MasterChef, 
I couldn't, I loved it. There was something about that, that competitive edge, which every time you're in the studio, you have to, because nobody's there helping you. I think people probably think behind the scenes, you're getting help from the pros or whatever else that, that are there with John and Greg, etc. None of that. You have to go in and it's a competition. Now, I don't, I don't show the same level of com- competitive edge that I would do if I was in a long jump competition. That's very different. You, you go into a different place there where people sort of, they find it very easy to call it, say, arrogance. It's not that at all. It's like a zone where you have to be supremely confident rather than arrogant. Right. And then when I do something like Martin, it's not going in there believing I'm going to win or whatever else. It's purely I am going to try as hard as I possibly can to do as well as I possibly can. If I make it out the first, if I go, I don't know, the second day, then I'm out fine. If I make it all the way, brilliant. Um, and that's how I saw it. So I tried not to put too much pressure on myself. And I said, I just tried hard, but I love cooking. <laughs> and it, it's really given me a new passion, which I think is brilliant. And I, I would happily spend four or five hours in the kitchen creating things and doing that. It's something that I've, I've found that I can be really passionate about and put some of my that love and that determination that I had before as an athlete into something new. Greg, as an athlete, you were, had a, a privileged circumstance, which is that you travelled all over the world in order to ply your trade. You know, you've you've yeah. jumped into sandpits, as you put it, in every corner of the globe, which is why, you know, you're perfectly positioned to be able to just explain why the UK is such a fantastic place to stay and to, and to yeah. have a day at home, especially as, as a kind of aftermath of COVID. Yeah, completely. Yeah, so so I've sort of been working with with Nationwide, who have created a, a load of stats group, talking to people about their basically their now holiday habits and how things are changing. Mm. And, and you wow. mentioned there, obviously, I was very lucky. I did travel the world. And I've been to to most continents and lots of different countries, and it's amazing. But before that, before I was an athlete. I'd hardly ever left the UK. I, I was from a family where the holiday that you could go on was it was a camping holiday in somewhere in the UK. We, we were never really in a position to go on many holidays outside the UK. So I spent a large part of my youth at campsites, see that in the, the New Forest, Great Yarmouth, all different places. And I loved it. And, and I tell you what, I, I think there's so much that the UK can, can give. And I think what we're seeing now, so, so this year because of COVID, we're going to see 17 million people choose to go on a staycation in the UK rather than go over into Europe. Uh, and 11% of people are, are still considering Europe, but that's, that's massively down. And these are all the stats that, that Nationwide have managed to put together to figure out what people are going to do and obviously how the spends are going. Because the big thing about having a staycation in the UK, it means that there's going to be money going back into the economy. Um, and that, that's something that I think after what we've all been through and what's been going on, that's really, really important. There's a lot of businesses that have really struggled. We need to obviously do what we can, if we can, to, to help support them. And I think going on holiday in the UK is a very easy thing to do, is a great thing to do, because we've got pretty much a bit of everything in the UK. Um, and you can really support people by literally going in, eating in their restaurants, buying something from their shop and help people that have had a very, very tough time. And actually, you know, some people are choosing rather than, say, taking a full week somewhere or two weeks somewhere. Some some people are going, do you know what? If it's the UK, we'll do a couple of days there and then we'll you know, we'll jump in the car and we'll do a couple of days over there and, and start to see some of this beautiful country of ours because it's, oh, it's glorious, isn't it? Absolutely. Look, genuinely, like, the, the options are pretty endless. Like you can go to all different parts. I mean, if you want to go see some really epic scenery, you can go up to Scotland and, and go and see some of the incredible mountains up there. I mean, I, 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 only two weeks ago, I was in the Lake District climbing Scarfell up there and, and going and seeing, seeing what, what's on offer there and like sort of climbing a few of the Wainwright mountains and things. And it's, there is so much 
that's just it. I mean, you can go to the seaside, sit on a beach and swim in the sea if you want. You can obviously go and hike, go see some amazing woodlands, etc. There is an awful lot in the UK. I'm a huge fan of it. And, and I, we mentioned before, I spent a lot of time overseas, and, and especially when I was an athlete, I'd spend up to six months of the year in America, and in particular in Arizona. And I love nothing more than flying back from what was pretty pretty arid desert into this beautiful green country that we have and seeing the UK in all its glory in that way was always very, very special. But look, the weather is always going to play with our emotions, that's for sure. So as long as you pack a mat, I think <laughs> everybody everybody can have a good time in the UK. You're absolutely right, mate. Now, I'm, I mean, you know, I was with you in the, in the beginning anyway. I think we live in an amazing country and, and you know, if you haven't explored it yet, it's, it's been one of the byproducts of, of the lockdown, people discovering just their own neighbourhoods again. But, you know... Completely pop up to Wales, go to the Isle of Wight, go to Jersey, and so on and so forth. It's, it's just, yeah, options are endless, like you say. Love it. They really are. They, and, and, yeah, I, I think literally just have to step outside your door, walk for a short amount of time, and you'll find something new. And I, I think that's the great thing. That's something that we as a family do an awful lot, and especially during lockdown, we've done an awful lot of that. That was Greg Rutherford. And if you'd like more information on taking a staycation this year, then just check out nationwide.co.uk. Now, after the break, I'm really looking forward to this chat. I'm joined by Lucifer Star. Tom Ellis. Driven with Andy J. It's Driven here on Talk Radio. Now, I'm so thrilled to be chatting to my next guest, a man who's probably heard an introduction along the lines of likening him to the devil for a very long time. So I hope at the very least that the background music could be something along the lines of sympathy for the devil, probably used multiple times as well. I'm just going to say this is an actor who is on absolute top form. If you think of who is smashing it right now, the answer is Tom Ellis. How are you doing, Tom? I'm very well, thanks, Andy. How are you? I'm great, mate. It's lovely to chat to you. If anyone hasn't joined the dots yet about the whole devil reference, this is because <laughs> you are Lucifer. Simple as that. I've been, I've been playing the devil for five years. I know, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Lucifer Morningstone, which is, I love that he has a surname in the show as well. I know. Anyway. I think that's I a special thing. <laughs> Lucifer has dropped the new series. It is now, it's fr It's like literally we're fresh out of the coffin, aren't we? It's like... Hey, we are. Just... <laughs> There's still smoke bellowing from this, from this opened package of Lucifer season five. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, Tom, there's so much I want to talk to you about it. Thankfully, I'm, I'm, I can make this confession now. Thankfully, I, I do watch and am a fan of the show. Because sometimes <gasps> when, you're, when you're told, oh, oh, listen, I managed to get you this great guest and they're in this show. And you're like, oh, great. <laughs> oh, can't, can't wait to get into detail about that. Thankfully, I've been, I've been invested in Lucifer since the beginning. I think it's terrific. Oh. Thank you very much, mate. That makes me very happy. Well, it's it's a relief to me because I don't have to force it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that's it. Well, I think for a lot of people, it was a bit of a guilty pleasure when it first started. They were like, I'm not sure if I'm if I'm supposed to watch this because it's quite silly as well. The show it's, it's it's fun and silly, but it's um it seems to have kind of like reached a lot of people, and that's been so satisfying about it. I think a lot of like families watch it together, and you know, kids watch it with their parents and their grandparents and stuff like that. So. We've got a very eclectic fan base. I love that you say it's it's reached quite a lot of people. Let's just let's just put some meat on those bones. It was 2019's <laughs> most streamed show on Netflix. I mean, that's colossal. It's pretty bonkers, isn't it? I know, I know. It's and it's so strange as well because obviously you know we did three seasons on Fox um, and then Fox cancelled it. Yeah. Um, uh, which was sort of felt weird because it felt like it was just at the height of its popularity. It did. It, it um, was a very strange move. Yeah. 
it, it was. But um, for whatever reason, they made that decision. But they kind of did us the biggest favour in the world because Netflix has been such a great home for us. And they've just let us get on with the show and do, you know, make the thing we want to make. And subsequently, I think we've got our strong, you know, the show's just gone from strength to strength on Netflix. And um, I think season five is just our best one we've done so far. Yeah, I mean, I'm really enjoying it. It's out now. I was lucky enough to have a little cheeky preview earlier in the week as well. So I'm, I'm, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm not one of these mad binge watchers that has seen it all already, even though it dropped last night. But I have seen, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I will be by the end of next week. But I have seen some already, and there's, there's a lot of. I mean, what I like is, and all seasons have to do this if they're going to survive, is that you are evolving, and by yeah. you I mean as in the the brand, the show. It's not just yeah. your character that's changing, and indeed you've got an extra role to play in this show as well this time round. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> I don't know whether to reveal what you're doing. I, I can say, I think I can well, say. I think, you I think we can, I think, I think we can because um, I'm not going to give a spoiler, spoiler, spoiler away because obviously it's just dropped. So I don't want to spoil it for too many people, but I think it was publicised before the season dropped that um, I would be playing Lucifer's twin brother this season, Michael. <laughs> as, <laughs> as well as Lucifer. No, I mean, it's not just... You know, yeah, as well as Lucifer. Yeah. I know. As if I wasn't busy enough already, I decided to um, to take another role on the show. But it was... I mean, the, the, it started out because season five was meant to be our final season. It was announced by Netflix, this would be it. Mm. And um, we had a kind of like... We had a, a checklist of things that we hadn't done on the show that we wanted to do. <laughs> Um, get him a twin. Come on. Get him a twin. Well, that was it. Joe and Ildi, who are my showrunners, they kind of they came to me and said, "Look, we've wanted to bring Michael into the show for a long time, but we've wanted you to do it because in the comics it's his twin brother." Um, And I was like, "Oh gosh!" But they said because it's the final season, we thought we'd just come and ask you. So I I thought about it for a small amount of time, and I was like, "You know what? I'm in." Um, And it was it was fun. It was exhausting, but um, I'm glad that we did it. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a proper brilliant twist. And you say that, you know, you were assuming that season five was going to be the finish. It's mm. not, is it? It's not. No. I mean, when I say we are assuming, uh, like, the entirety that we we, sh- we were shooting season five, literally right, right up until about a month before we were due to finish, that was it. And we'd been sort of thinking a long time about how we were going to end this show. Um, and then um, I think people just kept watching us on Netflix and kept watching us on Netflix and... Netflix eventually couldn't ignore that and came to us and said, I think we should do another season. So, um, Isn't yeah. Isn't it nice when basically... fans speak, you know, and they get listened to? I think it happened as well with, was it Brooklyn Nine-Nine, something like that? Yes. Yeah, well, there was a set, they got, they got cancelled the same time we got cancelled and there was a huge outpouring about them and it is amazing how that's kind of happened these days because it used to be, if you were involved in something it was cancelled, it would be really hard to take but you just have to swallow it and move on. Mm. And, um, and with this, I don't know, it's like, I think TV's evolved a lot since I've been doing this show. And the fact that, you know, there's social media out there and people are able to kind of um, immediately, you know, say how they're feeling about things. I was bowled over, like everybody was, when we were cancelled and there was just this tsunami of love that came via social media. And just people were saying, well, you can't take this away from us, we're watching it. And they're absolutely, and, um, yeah. It's so it's so lovely that you know people can do that these days, and it feels now like our fans are shareholders in the show because they're sort of responsible for it still going. What a lovely way of looking at it, Tom. I've been trying to yeah. imagine how to describe the show to anyone that isn't aware of it, and I've come oh. up with something. I, I think you'll <laughs> like on. this because it, it, it occurred to me literally in the middle of the night. I was like, "How do I say this <laughs> without it kind of sounding too camp or too kitsch or whatever?" So this is what I've come up with. Tell me if you Go think on. this is appropriate. Okay, okay. Lucifer is. Buffy the Vampire, 
uh, sorry, Buffy the Vampire Slayer meets The Sopranos mm-hmm. meets Sherlock with the devil as the lead role. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I like that. All shows that I love. Weirdly, a lot of our writers um, are huge Buffy fans. And yeah, I think when the sense. show when the show first started, there was a kind of like, what is this show? And trying to sort of equate it to something that had been on before. And Buffy was a reference that we used a lot. Yeah. Um, I think it was slightly more sophisticated than than Buffy in, well, in certain areas. that's why the Sopranos in there. Cause you've got the Sopranos and Sherlock. I'm loving that. Yeah, well, and Sherlock. Well, because you've got the detective stuff. You've got the count, you know, yeah. the therapy sessions, etc. I mean, yeah. Although they obviously get a bit naughty, you know. It's uh, <laughs> a slightly sexy Sopranos. But, um, yeah, no, it was... Um, no, I'm very happy with that. It is it's a really difficult show to sort of summarise in a, in a media-friendly soundbite because it sort of it crosses so many different um, sort of tones and boundaries, I suppose. Yes, um, it's, but, I mean, I think you said a guilty pleasure. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, it is a lot of fun. There's a detective element to it as well. Sexy is an appropriate term, you know. You, I mean, come on, you're a handsome man. Your, your co-stars oh, are very it. attractive. It's yeah, it's okay. I haven't noticed. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't noticed. Now, I am surrounded by incredibly good-looking people on a daily basis. It's, it's, it's very unnerving. Which is a um, completely fair reflection on real life, Tom. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think, I think the humour of the show is, like, is, is probably one of the main reasons that it's kind of gone this long, because it, 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 Lucifer is a very sort of irreverent character, and the show, he doesn't take himself too seriously, and the show doesn't take itself too seriously, and subsequently I think we get away with a lot of stuff. Um, and a little bit like Miranda that I did before, they're vastly different shows, but because of the sense of humour, the over, you know, the overall sense of humour, it meant that this kind of shameless fun that we were having, um, people really responded to. Yeah, yeah. No, I think I you think know? that's really nice, and I'm glad you brought up Miranda because there's one of those things when you Google. I don't know how much you Google yourself, Tom, but I like to Google <laughs> all my guests just for at least at least three times a day. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I, what I like to do is I like to see what Google automatically fills in. You know, when I put oh. just just Tom Ellis, right? One of the first things that comes in, obviously, with yeah. every with every celebrity, there's you know how much is Tom Ellis worth, or uh, etc. You know, there's always oh okay, yeah. so you're worth fifty million quid. Well done, Tom. And that always makes me laugh. Yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> but there's <laughs> but one of the most popular threads, as far as I can see, is if you're married to Miranda, you know, as in in real life. Which I, I I love that blend that they've got there, which is just kind of you, you know he's an actor, right, guys? You're aware of that, yeah? Tom, you still there? Tom? Action issue. Oh, can you can you hear me? Yeah, sorry, it was coming in and out. Have you got me, Andy? I've got you fine, mate. I've got you absolutely okay, fine. Okay, cool. Let me repeat cool, that then, okay? So okay. One, of, one of the things that comes up when you're Googling, one of the main things is, are you married to Miranda in real life? <laughs> No, not anymore. No, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, I kind of, you kind of want to say, Google, you know it's acting, right? You know that these... I know. <laughs> it's so funny. There's, there's, a, a, I know, Google, there's a massive Google doesn't help people separate. <laughs> they, I know. It really is funny. I mean, some people, they have a real hard time separating reality from, um, from, from what's going on on screen. But, uh, yeah, so Miranda and I... It didn't work out, unfortunately. We gave it a go. But... <laughs> well, I mean, if you follow the trail of thought through, Tom, then, you know, you were married until she realised you were actually the devil. That's what it was. That's you what know. it was. <laughs> First... That would have been quite a fun twist in Miranda that we wouldn't have seen coming. Well, you could have done the whole thing. So, I mean, if we play this out properly, she would have met you as a doctor, obviously. Yeah. You know, you would have catered to her swollen ankle or something. <clears throat> 
fallen in yep. love, got married, she realises you're the devil, off you go to LA and, you know, become a, a detective, piano playing, you know, etc. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, we've written Miranda into season six of Lucifer just to kind of like <laughs> neat, neat, neatly sort of, um, you know, bookend, <laughs> bookend my career. Do you know what? you? It would be cool to give her a, a little cameo, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be quite fun to have her rocking up at, at Lucifer's nightclub in Lux? Yeah. That would be really quite fun. She could, or, you know, or just a corpse in the mortuary or so, like just something, <laughs> you know, or a, or a criminal. Just in, just, in, just in the background at the police station with a pair of handcuffs exactly. being let through. Having, a, having oh, her yeah. fingerprints taken, you know, looking. I'll talk, I'll talk to her about it. <laughs> she's up for it. Just giving, just giving a little sardonic look to the camera as she's having her fingerprints taken in the background. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that would really work. <laughs> I mean, it would, that would be meltdown, you know, <laughs> especially if you gave her one of your kind of famous cheeky winks. That would, uh, that would exactly. be, that would be exactly. lovely. So Tom, <laughs> you know, I, there's, there's masses and masses I want to talk to you about, but if I don't ask this question, then Lucifer fans are just going to, well, oh, go on. they'll crucify me. See, I'm carrying on down the devil theme right now. See. Yeah, um, thematic. Yeah, you know it. I bet you've been asked this question loads. So try and answer me in a different way. Because if I've read oh, this dear. somewhere, then, you know, you've, you've obviously been asked it loads. But what do you truly desire? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah, um, I know, and which is why I'm <laughs> cross with myself for asking it. I couldn't open it's sort of, it. No, don't worry about it. I think, I mean, my, my, my desires have changed a little bit in the five years we've been doing this show. But it, unfortunately, they surround politics at the moment. My desire is that 2020, which is the worst year that's ever happened in my life, um, and many other people's lives, I believe, will mm. only be remedied by the removal of a certain Mr. Trump in America. <laughs> right. And um, I don't think our world has a chance of healing at the moment until he's gone. So that is my desire. But in November, Americans turn up to the polling stations and they they get rid of him. Well, it, I mean, it's it's a distinct possibility, isn't it? I, I hope so. But, uh, you know, I've, I've learned not to kind of um, take anything for granted, especially over there. So uh, I will be doing whatever I can to encourage people to go out and vote. Well, how much time, because you must, you know, obviously we know you as a British star, but obviously Lucifer mm -hmm. is a big American show and obviously yeah. filmed over there and so on. So so how much, I don't mean this to sound flippant, but how much weight no. do you carry in the States? Because celebrities are, are really taken, taken notice of over there, aren't they? They are. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's a tough one, especially when it comes to kind of personal opinions about politics and things. I mean, normally back in the day, we'd be advised to kind of stay away from stuff and not ostracize people. But I feel like this is a very different situation right now. Mm. And I think to me, it's so glaringly apparent that um, the baddies are in power at the moment that um, we need to kind of do something about it. And I, I, the influence thing, I'm not sure, but I do know, you know, I have a lot of, um, a lot of followers on social media and stuff and whatever I can do to try and help people, um, educate themselves and, you know, make some um, self-informed choices um, I will do that. I mean, I think that's very powerful. And it's it's one of those things where we've seen some celebrities stand up for different causes in the very recent history, uh, yeah. you know, where, where they are kind of almost acknowledging, look, I might be putting my own career kind of prospects, yeah. uh, you know, under jeopardy by saying these yeah. things. Black Lives Matter is, is one that I'm thinking of in particular. Absolutely, a yeah. A number of very loud voices rightly stood up and, and actually, but also said, I, I'm nervous about saying this, but I have to, you know, and, mm -hmm. and I'm very pleased. I remember seeing a few um, actors that, that were kind of going, I, I have to speak up, but I, you know, it might be the last time I get booked. And yeah. 
immediately loads of big name directors was I'd book you, I'd book you in a heartbeat, etc. Yeah, you know. Well, I think, like, like I say, it's like you know, I think it's really obvious at the moment when things are wrong, and um, certainly with Black Lives Matter, that's something that I, you know, I couldn't stay quiet about, mm. um, and. And that's, and I think that you know, it's going to transition into the election in America as well because it's all tied up in the same in the same thing and the same rhetoric as well at the moment. And you know, that, that Trump is such a divisive person that that's how he that's how he plans on succeeding. And I think that you know, the united part of the United States seems to be um, seems to be falling behind somewhat at the moment, and then that's what we need to get back. This is really interesting because you must spend a fair amount of your time over there. What's what's the sort of how many months would you say you are in the in the states in a normal year? Oh, I realise we're under different conditions at the moment. Yeah, in a normal year. I mean, I'm pro- since I've been doing the show, I've been there probably for about nine months of the year. So you know, and I'm married to an American as well, and I, I have a lot of American friends. Obviously, Look, I, I can't even vote over there. That's the weird thing. But I I do still have a voice, and. Um, I think, you know, I, I often say this to my American friends that the, the United States has, has, has sort of proudly said that they are the leader of the Western world. And they've said that for many, many, many years. So, in you know, the, the president of the states, in effect, is kind of the president of the world. Um, and so to, to think that it, this is only something for Americans, I think, is very naive of them. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, no, <laughs> sorry, you got me on politics. No, it's, listen, it's it's really interesting, and it's it's. I wasn't expecting to to discuss this when I was. What do you truly desire? I thought you'd say something like, I don't know, another twenty seasons of Lucifer. But you know, oh, no. we, we've <laughs> we've taken a, a much more kind of impressive and 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 deep turn. I mean, when you started that answer, Tom, you you sort of you used the phrase. I think twenty twenty has been the worst year of your life. Mm-hmm. Am I right in assuming that's Beyond, uh, and I'm not belittling coronavirus in any way. It's rocked all of us in a colossal yeah. way. But, but you know, is there more to it than than lockdown and and what we've all been experiencing? Well, I mean, for me, like the knock-on effect of what coronavirus has done in my life is just it's made. It, I've got quite a complicated life already because my children live in the UK and I work in the states and spend a lot of time there. So I'm normally back and forth to the UK, you know, a lot when I can be, and they come out to see me a lot. And this year, I've not been able to do that. And I went the longest I've ever been without seeing my children, and it was absolute hell. Um, and that's why it's, you know, that's that's what I mean about it being the worst year. It's just, it's just been, it's made an already difficult situation much harder. Um, but I know that I'm not on my own there as well. You know, it's, it's made it so difficult for everybody, and it's just a very testing time. Um, and that's, you know, again, why I'm kind of like trying to promote some unity. Um because divisiveness is not the thing that will get us out of this. Yes, and you'd think that after everything we've all been through, this would be a, a, a very crucial time and for us to obviously and naturally be pulling together. And, and yeah. I mean, Tom, as a dad myself, I mean, I believe you've got three daughters, is that right? I do, yes. Yeah, I, mean, I have three daughters. To, to not be able to, to visit, I mean, was, that, was this because when lockdown started, you were in another country or because you just... Yeah, we were, I was shooting. We were shooting uh, season five. So we haven't quite finished the second half of season five yet. We've still got about six days of shooting left on it. Um, but yeah, well, we got locked down. And then, of course, I couldn't travel um, for a long time. Um, and then there was, you know, safety precautions and all these, you know, things. The, the goalposts kept moving about what was right and what was wrong to do, in, you know, in the virus. Um, and so I just, you know, I had to sit tight and my kids had to sit tight. And then it was only about two months ago was the first time I saw them for such a long time. Gosh, I mean, what was, uh, yeah. I, I can only speak for myself, but, but that would, that would destroy me mentally. My, my mental yeah. would be crushed. How, how, how did you yeah. kind of cope with that? 
I mean, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I think, you know, one of the main things I did, which I think a lot of people have started doing, which is like exercising on a daily basis to get some sort of um, sense of achievement, you know, that you've done something and feel good about yourself. But, you know, I had my wife with me, which was fantastic, and she was great. But obviously, as you know, as a parent, there is a hole inside of you when your children aren't there that will, it won't be filled by anything else. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just glad that we finally got there in the end. Yes, yes, absolutely. I mean, you know, pe- pe- people kind of people that aren't parents don't get it, but when you're when you're forced apart, it is so horrible. Oh, it's horrible. It's really horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, thank goodness that you know things are things are easier now because um, I imagine. Indeed. I imagine when you first saw the girls, you were uh, just blown away. Oh my gosh, oh, it was incredible. It was incredible. I, it reminded my mum's favourite movie when I was growing up was The Railway Children. <laughs> Okay. I don't know if you know that movie, but there's a scene at the end of that movie when they've been waiting for their dad who's gone away to prison to turn up, and he suddenly turns up as this sort of smoke clears on the platform of the railway station. And, uh, yeah, it kind of felt like that to me. It was it was uh, very emotional. I think we just sobbed uncontrollably was, day after day for the first week. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm practically crying just picturing it, you know, especially yeah. as, you know, the devil comes through the smoke. You know? I know. <laughs> Turns out to be a lovely man who loves his daughters. You know, oh, I know the irony. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny when we when we had a quick chat before we before we came on air, and I think the first thing my, I said to you was, "My God, you sound just like your character," which is quite oh. quite disarming, and you must get that quite a lot. I do, I do. It's weird because I'm, I'm my voice does change a little bit for Lucifer, and um, <laughs> the people that really notice it are my daughters, and they hate it when I go into a Lucifer voice. I'm like, oh, stop doing doing that voice again. Um, but <laughs> it's the sultry yeah, thing, isn't it? That's what it is. It sort of creeps it creeps in every now and again. But yes, it's it, <laughs> it's the sort of carry on element of the Lucifer voice that I used to, that, that's kind of very suggestive. Oh, it's, it's well, there it is. There it is. You see, it's yeah. sultry but not American, which was an interest. I mean, was that your decision? It was actually, yeah. I mean, when I, I got the pilot script sent to me, and it didn't specify anything about Lucifer and his voice and where he was from and stuff. Um, but I kind of, you know, I, I, the way that it was written was very specific on the page. And I tried it in an American accent, and it didn't work. It just didn't sound right. Uh, but it, it, the way it was written re- reminded me a lot of um, a, a character from like an Oscar Wilde play or an old coward play. It's very high style, um, very, very sort of in charge of their vocabulary. And it's all about the pace of delivery and all that sort of stuff. So I like it. Um, that, that's how that sort of that's how it started for me. And I then infused that with a bit of Mick Jagger swagger. And um, <laughs> yeah. that's the love child of Mick Jagger and Noel Coward is Lucifer. That I mean, it's absolutely perfect. Although now you've <laughs> said that, I want I'd love there to be a moment in season six as well as the Miranda moment. Of course, you, I feel that you now need to look at the camera at one point and go a handbag. <laughs> handbag. <laughs> 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 then the character is complete. You know, there's your, there's your story arc. <laughs> maybe maybe Michael could do that. You know, maybe. Indeed. <laughs> well, Mike, Michael's American, so well, he's got an American accent anyway, just to help differentiate between him yeah. and Lucifer. Yeah, but yes, yeah, it would sound slightly weird in Michael's American accent. <laughs> oh, it could be huge fun. I, w- I want to see it happen. I really think it's it a, a purse. Because they don't call it handbag. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Or a, fa- a fanny pack. You know, <laughs> fanny pack. A fanny pack. That's perfect. That's, we've nailed it. I think. We, I think we've got it sussed. Get those scriptwriters on the phone. Well, actually, you can make this happen because you're no longer just the lead star slash twin brother as well. You're also producer of the show. I am. I am indeed. Yes. How times have changed. I know. Um, 
Yeah, it's been weird. I, I, I've sort of been, I've been really involved, you know, with things behind the scenes from when we started, really. But um, uh, I've now kind of that was that was made official last season, um, which has been lovely actually, and it's you know it's part of the my evolution as well in real life of the things that I want to do after Lucifer, and I realised that I really do enjoy stuff behind the camera as well. So. I will uh, hopefully uh, continue in that direction. I like this. This this feels like a, a Netflix way. I'm thinking of like Designated Survivor, for example. Kiefer Sutherland, you know, was yeah. immediately kind of made, I think, exec producer or whatever for the show. And it's I like this. You know, Netflix are kind of going, listen, we're going to be kind of hands off with creativity. That's over to you guys. And we want to give yeah. the people that are clearly huge parts of the show the loudest voice they need. And, and I, I guess that was the, the pitch to you. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it just, you know, I, people that work on the show know the other things that I do apart from play Lucifer on it. So I think it, it was um, it was just a natural progression for, for all of us, really. But um, no, I was very thankful. Netflix have been so awesome since we joined them. So I've got nothing but praise for them. Good. I mean, you say, <laughs> you know, it's given you a glimpse into what you'll do after this. Mm -hmm. We're not seeing a, a, a kind of retiring of the acting boots though are we oh no not at all no I, I will carry on acting absolutely but I just think being slightly more in control creatively of the things that I do um, is something that I want to you know uh, to be, be you know I, I want to take charge of that a bit more in my life really so and I, I also you know I've learned a lot from doing Lucifer for five years it's crazy but we will have done gosh nearly 90 episodes or something like that by the time we finished so that's a lot of time on a TV set, yeah. um, learning a lot of different crafts. And, you know, because I've been so, um, I've been there so much that I've just kind of absorbed things and, um, and you know, I'm ready to sort of take that on in the next chapter of my life. Well, it's clear to the audience about how much you've been learning because, for example, you're now, I believe you're able to play piano now. Um, <laughs> very roughly, yeah. <laughs> but I... I um I bought, I mean I was very musical when I was growing up. My mum was a music teacher, so we um me and my sisters we all we all had instruments when we were growing up. I did play piano a little bit and then I gave that up. Um, but Lucifer has reintroduced that into my life. But also more more importantly for me, it's 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 brought back my love of singing, which I used to have when I was growing up. And um nice. and I kind of you know when you when you sort of go to drama school in this country there's a very there's a differentiation between musical theater and straight dramatic acting and i took the straight dramatic acting path and so music sort of took a back seat for a while um and singing took a back seat for a while but um this show has brought it back and i've had so much fun you know doing it and singing and being part of those musical numbers and stuff um, I, that's something else I want to, you know, carry on with it's as I lovely. as I move forward in the world. It's a lovely fusion, Tom. You, I, I'm I'm hoping the answer to this is yes. I have, and I do it as often as <laughs> I can. But I've had this vision. <laughs> oh God, what's the question? Well, well, since I mean, since season one, when I first, you know, two of the things that really stand out, you know, on mm -hmm. on first viewing is is a how cool Lucifer is. You wear some amazing clothes. You're in the coolest car in the world. You know. Oh my God. And and, and you know. Everyone around you in the show is just like, oh, so cool, so cool, so cool. And and then yeah. the other thing is obviously the ability to just kind of rock up to the piano and go for it. You know, you you, you mm -hmm. do that, and I and obviously you do it in private mostly on the show, but nonetheless. So my question is, please tell me that you have, at least once in your life since being Lucifer, just rocked up to a random bar, and just had everyone kind of look at you, go, oh my god, Tom Ellis is here. There's Lucifer, <laughs> and you've you've sat down at the piano and just. Strutted out something. Please tell Ooh, me you do I don't. That. 
I don't know if I've done the piano, but I've definitely done a karaoke session, without a doubt. <laughs> I'm a, I'm ter- I'm a, I always rock up to places. If there is karaoke, I'm like, no, absolutely not, absolutely not. And then three points in, I'm like, okay, where do I sign? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, a lot of people have sort of witnessed me do uh, Bust Out Mustang Sally, which is my go-to That's karaoke amazing. song yeah. over the years. Is that yours as well? It's mine as well. <laughs> yeah. I even I even do the Ride Sally Rides because, you know, no one else will. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's uh, it's guaranteed to get people going. But yeah, no, it's it that that weirdly that is how the singing on the show started. In that we the the, the producers didn't know that I that I sang, and we were having a um, we went out for a social during se- very early on in season one where we were filming in Vancouver, and we went out. We had a few drinks on a Friday night, and then we ended up doing karaoke. And they were like, "Oh my, oh my God, you can sing!" Uh, and the, the next thing I knew, it was written into the script. <laughs> You see, I love so, that. What a relief it was a karaoke bar you went to and not, e.g., a limbo bar. Because no, exactly. that would have Goodness been a completely me. different twist. <laughs> oh, God, Lucifer's limboing again. He's having a sultry moment. He's going to do the limbo. <laughs> Actually, yeah. it could be quite a laugh. <laughs> yeah. It was either that or I'm glad I didn't go to a strip joint as well. Because... Um... <laughs> There's, for all the same reasons. There's enough sexy stuff going on, as it is. You know, you, d- you don't need the stripping element, too. There's there's plenty of flesh on display, I would say. In, in there, is, there is there is a quite a bit of flesh. There's more flesh on Netflix as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and all credit to them for that. Hallelujah. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you are now the producer, Tom. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yes, it's oh, contractual. I must have my shirt off at least once an episode. Are we sure I need my button done up here? I think, you know, maybe if I just undo it now, it might make the scene more powerful. Yes. Right. Yes. Listen to Tom. He's, oh, dear. He knows what he's talking about. But, there, I mean, there's a degree of pressure for you as well, isn't there? You know, you, you have to be top of your game. You have to be handsome. You have to be in shape. You have to be incredibly desirable. That's, that's part and parcel of the role. I did kind of, yeah, I mean, that, that sort of struck me after I got the job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I really have to do some maintenance here. And also because we were filming for such a long time as well that, um, you know, I just had to be a bit more aware of what was going into my body and what I was doing to my body. Um, but, I, you know, I've sort of grown up a bit as well over this period of time. And I really enjoy exercising now. It's a big part of my life. So, you know, it's brought that into it. But I think, again, it's something I'll carry on with after we finish. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll see your exercising and I'll raise you eating loads, which is also great fun. <laughs> I do like eating loads. I do like <laughs> eating loads. That's my yin and yang right there. <laughs> <laughs> and therein lies the problem. But it's all it's all gravy. Um, now I must make a confession with you, Tom. Go on. I, I, I'm aware that you were in EastEnders. We've alluded to it. You were Doctor Cousins in EastEnders, but I I'm not a soap watcher, right? And and quite okay. often we have we have actors on the show that were in soaps and various d- different bits and pieces, and so <laughs> I I feel I don't know why I'm sharing this. this. Is maybe a little bit of oversharing, but okay. But because I don't know much about EastEnders, I only I'm only mm. aware of a few random character names, right? So okay. I for some reason I thought that you <laughs> that you played Beppe DeMarco. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know where you I, thought got I was. That from. My, you thought I was Michael Greco? <laughs> I mean, I obviously. Well, there you go. I, I but I, but having never seen 
what Beppe DeMarco looked like. It was just a yeah. name because it's such a great character name. So I was just it like, is a great character name. You know, it's, 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 it's an unforgettable name. It's, for someone that's never seen the show, it's an unforgettable name, right? So I'm like, well, yeah, he, obviously he must have also played Beppe DeMarco. And I thought to myself a couple of days ago, I'm like, I'll just image search Beppe DeMarco. And I was like, oh, yeah, no. No, no, that's that's not Tom. <laughs> he has a slightly more tailored stubble than me, I would suggest. <laughs> it's, it's it's almost drawn on in biro by the looks of things. It's, it's incredible. It's immaculate. It's immaculate. <laughs> I mean, I, I sort of promised you before we started talking that I would try and take a couple of tangents that you haven't had from every other interview you've been doing. I imagine no one no. else has called you Beppe DeMarco. No, no one has no one has made that association. And uh, <laughs> no, myself and Michael Greco have never been twinned up before like that. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I mean, Tom, look, the show is called Driven, and I try to talk to as many people as possible, celebrities and achievers, about what gets them up in the morning, about what makes them do remarkable things and keep going, especially as you've, mm -hmm. as you've said, 2020 being the hardest year the planet's known for some time, or at least human beings have. Mm -hmm. What is it that, that drives you? What gets you supercharged? Um, I, I, I Honestly, I really enjoy going to work. I mean, I always have done, and I, I, I'm fully aware that I'm very, very lucky to be working in the industry that I do, but I think the notion of, like, really enjoying your job and making a living from that um, and it being your passion um, is, you know, a huge privilege, but I, that, that is the thing that, that keeps me going, for sure. Yeah. That and coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we all love a coffee, Beppe? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got to get him in season six as well now. <laughs> I love he can it. rock up with Miranda. <laughs> the two of them having their fingerprints down in the background. <laughs> She's doing a sardonic look. He's holding a handbag. We're set. And then Lucifer just says, is that, is that Beppe the Marco? <laughs> <laughs> oh, listen, if you could make that happen, that's, I mean, that... that... <laughs> <laughs> the corridors of power will be turning. I reckon that would guarantee a season, a season seven, wouldn't it? Because then, <laughs> then there could be a spin-off well, show. You know. I think season six, season six is definitely, definitely, definitely the last season of Lucifer. Well, we've I heard, can, we've I heard that before. Go, so. Come on, we've heard well, that like twice before now. Oh, I've heard it. I've heard it a few times, but no, I, I, it definitely is because because I'd heard it a few times. I wanted to clarify that before we before we started. So it definitely is because I can't go through this roller coaster anymore. Right, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, to, to be fair, that, that is really tough. It's really tough. It's a job you clearly love, you're super invested in, you're known for it across the world, and to, to yeah. kind of have that seesaw of, it's off, it's on, it's off. It must be shit. I know. It was, it was, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to lie, season five, because of many other things, you know, playing two characters and uh, all of that, it was really exhausting. But I think the biggest part of it was I felt, you know, we were, this was going to be the end of our show, so I... I said, you know, at the beginning of filming to everyone, I, please don't talk about the end because I don't want to talk about the end yet. Mm. Um, and I just want to sort of enjoy the moment. And, it, and we did, and it was, it was great. But I think quietly I was sort of spending a year grieving the character. Yeah. And, you know, leaving that, um, sort of coming to peace with leaving that behind and moving on in my life. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of, it was like, what? We're not finishing. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> but I just have spent yeah. a year. Okay, yeah. fine. I just say goodbye. So, I've, just, I've just saved it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, obviously, I'm very, very grateful we are doing another one. Um, and uh, I will be re-energised and ready to go when we start again. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, after season <laughs> six, have you, are you able to think further into the future now? Are you, have you kind of started to lay down some plans for beyond? Yeah. 
I've had a few thoughts. I mean, I I, I love the theatre. I mean, that's where I started, and that's something I will always go back to. I, I've said this before, but theatre for me is like rehab for acting, especially if you've sort of spent a long time on a set doing something, because you can fall into habits quite easily. And I think the, you know, being being in a rehearsal room and having that creativity and building a character and stuff, something I really miss, and also the live element of performance. So I would love to go back to the theatre um, and do that. And then see what else happens with with, uh, with with TV and film. We'll just, we don't know. Watch this space. Well, I mean, I can already predict it. You know, there is there is very clearly a spin-off, which is Lucifer, Miranda, Beppe, going on some wild, <laughs> wild adventure. You know. It it, it does. That could either be that could work as a drama or as a reality well, show. Do you know just what? Like it could be touring a around in a <laughs> touring it's... around in a camper van, just like <laughs> doing random tasks in places. It, it's, I've heard worse ideas get pitched. You know that, you that could really work as a reality we, show. You could tour the theme parks. That'd be what it is. Or we could do that. Or we could do something like. Do you remember Challenge Annika? <laughs> of course. We, yeah. could, we could be the three of us together could be the new Annika Rice and we could go around just like helping people and building, you know, monkey sanctuaries in the space of four days. Oh, it's a Stuff genius like that. plan. Jumping out of helicopters. <laughs> Jumping out of helicopters. Pace, phoning up various <laughs> different, you know, kind of B&Qs and Tesco's get, and all the rest get, of it. Get a big big blue truck with that beach buggy that comes off the back of it to drive around with a camera crew. Oh, you've got it made. <laughs> you've got it made. I mean, we've got, I, I reckon Beppe... And we'll keep... We'll keep the old theme music from Challenge Annika. Yes. Yeah, cool. Yes, that's a great. I mean, I'm in. Listen, a Greco's, I'm in. Greco's going to do it clearly. You know, we, definitely. We know he's in, but he has to he's do in. it as Beppe. Obviously, he can't, he can't do it as himself. <laughs> he has to go around and etch stubble onto people around the country. <laughs> <laughs> we've got we've got the ultimate format. It's, it's this brilliant. is brilliant. I'm going to call Netflix now. <laughs> Well, I look, I look forward to welcome you back on the show to discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it needs a hooky challenge, but, you know, cha- we, can, we can't call it Challenge Annika, but we could call it, um, well, Stubble Annika, you know. Stubble Annika. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a twist. Uh, oh, my gosh. I, I, I've really got to write this down and get my thinking cap on because there's definitely legs here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and each week you can visit another random person that's not really associated with your career, like Beppe DiMarco, but could in some random yeah. way be associated somehow. Exactly. Well, once they've got the stubble on, that's it. They're like, oh, Marco, you look like such a such. There you go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that you're stubbled up, you can join the gang. <laughs> oh, the show's called Stubble Trouble. There we Stu- go. But now that. It's sold. Done. 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 I'm Dear Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see this happen, Tom. Stubble Trouble 2022. Stubble Trouble. Coming, coming to Netflix <laughs> with a 32-episode start. Boom. Straight in. <laughs> straight in. Move over Queer Eye. Here we come. <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Transforming lives in a stubbly way. <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. Tom, what a guest you've been. What a joy. We've had a bit of a giggle. I love it. Oh, thanks, Andy. Nice talking to you, mate. Thank yeah, you, you, you asked me a lot of things I haven't been asked before, so thank you very much for that. That's our mantra. <laughs> you know, they might be completely off the wall and ridiculous, but at least we've had a chat that you haven't had to repeat a thousand times before. Well, it's great. And I know what the next stage of my career is now as well, so thank you for that. Stubble trouble. And listen, Stubble trouble. It, it should start. You really need to invest in this early doors, Tom. I think you should probably get that tattooed on your arm. 
sort of straight from yeah, the offset. I will do. Just so you commit it. I'm, I'm, I'm calling the copyright office right now. Copyright, then Netflix. <laughs> then the tattoo parlor. <laughs> then you're done. Then the tattoo parlor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Brilliant. Tom, thank you so Thanks, much. Andy. Look, Netflix is great. I mean, Netflix is great. Of course, Netflix is great. Lucifer is great. It's out now on Netflix. Anyone that hasn't seen it has to see it. Tom is literally the devil, but as you've just heard, he's also an incredibly charming and lovely man. Tom, thank you so much for your company. You've been fantastic. Thank you, Andy. Cheers, mate. Take, Take care. care, man. All the very best. Ta-da. Bye. My thanks to Tom Ellis. Well, that was a lot of fun. Uh, now, after the break, I'm going to be joined by Made in Chelsea's Miles Nazir, where we're going to be reflecting on his battles with mental health. Now, if you're affected by anything you hear in the interview, please do reach out to mind at mind.org or call 0300-123-3393. We'll be talking to Miles Nazir next. Welcome to Driven Chat. Joining me in the Converting Studio car is a man who made his name thanks to Made in Chelsea, but you'll be aware of him for many other reasons. And I think we're going to learn quite a lot about him today. It's Miles Nazaire. How are you doing, Miles? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Hey, thanks for being here. I hope you don't mind me dropping the Made in Chelsea no, thing at the start. No, it's all good. I love it. It's where I'm from. It's how I've made my name, I guess. And I'm loving these chairs. I've got a, I'm like literally in, like, it's so comfy. I want the house. <laughs> I mean, you told me the price before, and I, I don't think I will buy one anytime soon. Yeah, but. the car's not cheap, but you know, it's a one of a kind. Yeah. And it's, it's also not for sale, but we can maybe talk about. Hey, if we can do some sort of collaboration, I can do a couple of swipe ups, whatever you need. I'll work <laughs> <out you. laughs> it's brilliant. I love it. There's a lot I want to talk to you about, actually, and I want to kind of dive into your your life and your background as well. But should we get the Made in Chelsea stuff almost out Let, of the way let's first? Let's do it, yeah. So my first question comes from my wife. Okay. <laughs> okay. She wants me to bring up Maeve. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> okay. So I'm going to be straightforward with you. I also watch Made in Chelsea because I think it's a cracking show. Thank you, thank you. And I know you've been on it for a little while, yeah. but but you're still one of the new ones in a, in you know compared to, say, Jamie Lang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, when a guy, as, a, as an old man that watches the show, I'm probably the oldest guy that ever watches the show, right? So as, as your oldest viewer, yeah. you've come across as really likeable, which kind of irks me in a way, because it's like, I want to not like you guys. <laughs> yeah. in I want to fancy the girls and not like, and not the, like guys. the guys. Uh, yeah, I don't know what kind of happened, because I was expecting the same thing when I came on the show. I was like, okay, I'm going to be hated for a bit, and that's <laughs> right. fine, because I kind of know the premise, and then you'll be loved. And I just never got to that stage. Like, I think I'm the lucky few. I don't know. I love it. It's brilliant. And it's just been like a crazy kind of world to go into. So your wife who watches, you want to know about Maeva. I don't know what to say about it. It's been a crazy roller coaster with her. She couldn't quite work it out. Because let's be fair, right? So if anyone, anyone watching or listening is not aware, you had this kind of, Maeva is this kind of quite terrifying French lady <laughs> who's in the show, who's, who's sometimes incredibly hot and sometimes doesn't look incredibly no, hot. No, yeah. It's very unusual. Very unusual. I've been holding on to certain things that I feel like that, for me, they're really significant. They were things that we had in a past relationship that I held on to, and when we broke up, I still had those things with me, and... I just don't understand what you're talking about. I gave you a necklace, and I gave you a promise ring. I've been holding on to these everywhere I go. Um, Why are you doing this? Because I want... Why? Why are you doing this, man? Because I need to let go. 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 You you throw this away right now, right now. I don't know why you're doing this. Okay. You can't just leave me alone. This is what this is me. This is my first birthday gift from you, okay? And this is the promise ring. So you give this to me before my birthday. 
it's part of the show. It's part of the drama and it's part of our job, really. Anything that happens, we've got to film about it. So you've been asked this a thousand times before, I'm sure. But like, how real is it? Because you guys, mm. when we see you guys living together, for example, more often than not, yeah, you're living together for the six weeks that you're filming yeah. the show. You don't, you don't live with these girls or these guys or whoever it might be. Yeah outside of filming time, do you? So it's funny you say that I, the question is always like, oh, you know, how real is it? Is it scripted? And it's like, I really wish it was. It'd be easy on my job. Like if I had a script and I know what I'm saying, my lines. But the fact is, it's, it's you know, it's constructed reality. So, you know, obviously the, it's, it's shot beautifully. And the reason why is because we have these insane high quality cameras that follow us around. Yeah. You know, there'll be a setup, you know, even similar, very much like this, you know, you will have a camera there, camera there. But as soon as they say action, it's really up to you you know, what you want to say right. and what comes out and how how you're perceived. So you can't really hide away from that. What you're doing and what is seen on the show and, and, and as a viewer you is real. I've had scenes where I've been crying and I can't, I'm not that much of a good actor. So it's all real, it's all real. In the beginning, I was very much, okay, I'm just going to literally jump in with two feet and just enjoy it. I wanted to enjoy it. Whereas I think sometimes guys that come onto the show, they are so bogged down about, you know, what drama they can get involved or where they can be seen and they mm. want to have a story and all this kind of stuff. Get close to that character. Yeah, they exactly. always get airtime. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Whereas when I got on the show, I just wanted to enjoy it. I was like, this right. is really fun experience. I honestly thought... When they said to me they wanted me, I was like, okay, I'll do two episodes max, probably, and that's it. You know, I'm not that special. So how do they come to you? How does that work? Is it is it cast? Do you have to audition? Do you have to know someone on the show? So it's kind of like you know people. I knew James beforehand, so we kind of hung out before, and then after, you know, they were like looking for new people to come on the show, and he kind of said, oh, you know, I've got a friend Mars, would like to come on, and then I kind of came on as just like James's mate, and that's it. And then after they liked me apparently, and. I was the, they called me the young Johnny Depp, which I, to this day, take that. I take love that. I'll take that, yeah. I'll take it. Sophie Herman said it, one of my favorites on the show, so I was like, I'll take it, I'm the young Johnny Depp. So is Made in Chelsea, is it your job? No, Made in Chelsea enables you to do, which is, I think, amazing, it enables you to kind of like venture out into loads of different kind of, you know, projects and, and, and ideas that you want to build yourself. You know, Made in Chelsea is a bubble of friends who hang out, who do stupid things, who are all very incestuous, it's very weird. We're all a crazy bunch, but what's amazing about it with the attention we get from the show, then you can build your own uh, businesses. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing now. I've done you know, Chelsea for two years now, and it's been all fun and games until now, and I've now decided to do my little projects. And I've kind of steered a bit more into the fitness avenue, so I train a lot, yeah. and then I'm hoping to, to create something out of that. Oh, nice. Yeah. So what are we thinking? Something along the lines of like the Chris Helmsworth app vibe? or? Oh my God. I mean, if I could be anything like Chris Helmsworth, I'd be very happy. <laughs> uh, it's, it, it's like a lot of ideas. Hopefully at the mid next year, something will, will be open. Okay. Can't say much. I can't something say anything. Something we opening. So are we thinking a gym or a brand? Or? I won't say too much, but something's opening. And it will be very exciting. It's going to be an amazing project. It's something I'm super passionate about. Uh, I've been training for the last year and a bit now and it's it's going to be a really cool project so we're clearly going to have to bring the car to this oh yeah 100 <laughs> can i have to hang out at the yeah big of course opening? bring the chairs yeah yeah well we'll bring the car yeah you know, really. we'll just we'll just drive through and if you can accommodate us yeah no like 100 we can we can this sounds good so look i was thinking about this as i was driving over i was thinking about you know perception versus reality and all the rest of it and stepping into what you know is an established show and you know they're going to take it so i was i've jotted down what would you 
consider defines you as to how you're seen in the public eye, right? Ooh. So there's Made in Chelsea, there's your exes, yeah. there's fitness, modeling, performing. What is it, which one of those is, is the one that you think defines Best. you and, and uh, oh. th that's what the public, when they think of Miles, do they think, do they think Chelsea? Do they think exes? Do they think that's a very good looking boy? Do they think modeling? I mean, what is it, and what is it you want them to think? I think I'm trying to navigate my, my look, I guess, uh, as I've been going on on the show and, and trying to start different kind of projects. I'm trying to, for me, I would love for people to go, oh, Miles, the fitness fanatic um, who is a motivational speaker who loves to inspire people and push themselves to their max. That's what I love. Right. Unfortunately, because, you know, I am on a reality TV show, the main thing is um, that's Miles who breaks women's hearts. <laughs> that's <laughs> as a, the young Lothario who, who, who's single and, and is living this bachelor lifestyle, which... You know, in you know, I'm you know, I'm 24. I'm still young. I'm still enjoying my life. But I also want to be able to. Uh, it's only now recently because of my fitness kind of journey, I've been getting a lot more kind of people really interested in what I'm doing apart from the the Chelsea life. Yeah. But I'll never take it away from Chelsea. You know, Chelsea is what I started with, and I love it, and it's it's still fun to this day. I love being on the show. But I would like it to be more. Okay, then Mars is a bit more than just. Yeah, that. it's the foundation from which yeah, you build. It makes 100%. it makes a lot of sense, yeah, yeah, and it's. Yeah. You know, you're clearly very intelligent. I must say, it's, it's it's sort of having a few minutes with you is very apparent that you've got uh, quite a lot going on. You know, thanks. you're not just kind of hanging out because you're a good-looking boy. You've, yeah. you've, you've got a lot going on up there, which is impressive. Mm. Um, don't mean that to sound patronizing no, 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 at all, all, by the way. But, you know, you never really know until you meet someone. Yeah, you know? yeah, of course. But, I mean, when I think about sort of the opportunities that you now have available to you. You know, you've got this really fascinating opportunity to go, right, I am defined as what? Yeah. And I can take this to this whole new level. And it sounds to me like, yeah, you've got the fitness thing going on, but you also want to inspire people. And yeah. You want to kind of help them. And that's a really, really important platform. Yeah. I mean, we talk about the show is called Driven. So I always ask people, what drives you? And I know you're, you're kind of 24, so you're very young to, yeah, be, yeah. to be knowing the answers to these things. But at the moment right now, what is it? What is your, your reason to get up each day? I think for me in recent times is I the fact that I can touch so many people's emotions on my social media and the way I kind of like talk about it. I'm, my big thing on Instagram is my stories. I always kind of try to be as real as I can to to help people. And I I'm, to this day I get you know loads of messages. Thank you so much for you know being real and being honest you know when I have my bad days I will say I'm having a very bad day I don't feel happy and for me it's super important because I will have people going oh my god that's Miles from Maine Chelsea and he's always happy and he's always doing it yes I mean most of my you know, time I'm, I'm trying to be as positive as I can but sometimes it isn't and if I can help someone see that I am also that normal guy, and I'm not just a TV personality. Yeah. Then I've done my job, and I'm really happy. And this is why I always say well, that's why I kind of said about the you know the motivational speaker, not in the literal sense. But I try to be as honest as I can. And what drives me is being able to uh, change, I guess, the change that influencing way of being an influencer or, or reality or whatever on on your social media is pushing that kind of boundary and showing that there's more to it. And showing there's more to us, I guess, yeah, uh, in the public eye, being in the public eye, and and I I want to be able to motivate people because 
if I'm real, then you can see I, I'm not trying to hide behind a screen. I'm trying to um, push myself and push my audience as much as I can. I hope you don't mind me bringing it up, but you mentioned you know, that everyone has had some mental yeah, health yeah, challenges. Yeah. Is that including yourself? Yeah, yeah, massively. I, I suffered with, um, when I was 16, I'd have six to eight panic attacks a day. Wow. Which was horrendous. It was a very bad time for me. It was a very tricky time. I was 16 and, and I had something had triggered my, my panic attacks and kind of mental health. And then I luckily enough came out of it. Um, never really came back, which I was so happy about, but I was so passionate about the mental health community, I guess, and, and helping that because it's something that I've gone through and I remember how intense it was for me. Yeah. Um, and that's why we all, you know, and, and myself and Tristan, who's on the show, he, he went through something really, uh, really hard and, and we actually grew even more as friends because we started talking to each other. Right. And I think the biggest thing is, especially with men, emotionally, it is very hard for guys to speak to one another and tell each other how they feel. Yeah. You know? And there's still a bit of caveman mentality 100%. around. 100%. As much as we joke around with each other, and I will still joke like that with my friends, there is a huge you know, problem in men's mental health where we are not open enough to, to each other. Mm. So that's what we, as a group, we're really passionate about that. And we, uh, we like to make sure that we, we talk about it a lot on our socials and we talk about it on the show, we talk about it within each other because we have to. Yeah. You know, it is a big problem. I feel females are a lot easier to, to kind of um, talk about their emotions a lot easier. So I think we're, we're trying to change that a little bit. So how did you break the cycle of panic attacks? What was it that, was it just talking or was it? So it was two things, craziest thing, two crazy things that happened. My dad uh, had one of his clients, he, he, he knew uh, she did this weird kind of um, meditation thing. I don't know what it was. She laid me down and at the time, is what I've, had. I've actually never spoken about this on any any oh, channel or anything. But for opening up. At, at the time, I was numb, so you could talk to me. I couldn't, he I couldn't see you, I couldn't hear you, I couldn't hear anyone. It was very weird, and all I all would happen is that little things would happen, and my heart would start racing, and I'd drop to the floor, and I, I couldn't breathe. And it was just like, it must have been terrifying. Oh, it was it was the worst time of my life. And yeah. this one day, we go to see my father's uh, friend, and. She sat me down and started talking. There was music in the background. It was very weird. It was, I felt like I was in a spa at the time. And then she, she just spoke and spoke. And I kind of drifted off. And then she spoke and she said two things. She said, imagine your whole body is wrapped into this blue cocoon that's lifted you up. And I honestly, to that day, I, I, I felt like my whole body just literally was floating in the air. I could see myself floating. It was wow. really crazy. Woke up, felt a bit weird. Didn't really understand what was happening. But I felt like I kind of was more aware of where I was, which yeah. was weird. Yeah. And then one day, the craziest thing happened. Again, numb, couldn't hear anyone. I would listen to music every single day. I would uh, not blank everyone out of my life and, and kind of just you know stay to my own. And then this one person, Billy Dudley, I always remember Billy from school, looks at my phone. I had the new phone, I think, the okay. Sony Ericsson phone, yeah. back the flip phone, one of those. And uh, he said, oh my God, I love your phone, can I see it? And I literally took out my earphone I said, oh yeah, and from that day, I never had a panic attack. Wow. And everything left. I opened, I suddenly spoke to someone. Wow. And then it was gone. Is there any sort of shadow that stays with you? Because you, you've had that. Are you yeah. aware or, or afraid that, the, that that might come back? Or do you know, do you know what, I got this, it's never. There's always moments where there'll be like, a okay, this could happen again, but I know how to control it now. So if I ever feel anxious or I ever feel 
weird or anything. I know how to overcome it. And I, I know those, it was six months of horror. And now I know how to kind of manage it, if it ever did happen. My thanks to Miles Nazir for opening up the conversation about mental health in Reality Stars. And it, it just shows you that we are all the same. If you've been affected by what you've just heard, please visit mind.org.uk or call 0300 123 well, there you go. That's your chat for today here on the Andy J podcast for this week. Miles Nazir, like I said, I mean, it really was an honour that he felt so open and comfortable to share. Really enjoyed his company. And there's a really cool video of the two of us together. Incidentally, it was it was uh, published on The Sun online, but you can also see it via drivenchat.com. And uh, well, Miles is just, you know, top, top man. Uh, Tom Ellis, great fun. Great fun. If you haven't watched Lucifer and you need something to do during lockdown, it's a cool show. It's really silly and tongue-in-cheek and fun and dramatic and engaging. And, well, you heard me describe it. It's cool. I really enjoyed it. And, of course, Greg Rutherford, Olympic legend. In fact, he's got two gold post boxes, thanks to his uh, heroics in 2012. Really cool. I think in Milton Keynes. Perfect. Anyway, that's your lot for this week. It'd be absolutely joyful if you could send us some love, some nice, warm comments and positivity. We really do appreciate nice feedback. Uh, the warmer, the better, to be quite frank with you. It's a really cool thing to do. And if you're new to the Andy J podcast, welcome. Thank you for your company. We're doing this week in, week out, hopefully bringing you a little bit of distraction during these strange old times in 2020. Who knows, maybe you're listening in the future and everything's worked out just fine. Maybe you're listening in 2030 and the world is a really cool place. Whatever you're doing and whoever you are, however you're living your life, I hope it's good. I hope you're happy, and I hope that these little podcasts bring you a little bit of uh, laughter and joy. We'll see you next week. The Andy J Podcast. The Andy J Podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.